Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops, Papa Giorgio. Well, the Orlando Magic went from a tumbleweed trade deadline, just very, very quiet trade deadline, to a Shaquille O'Neal jersey retirement ceremony that was almost perfect, to then the All-Star break, where Paolo Bencaro pulled off a triple header of duties at, in Indianapolis, uh, just quite the quite the busy participation weekend for Paolo, to Mac McClung and Trevlin Queen bringing back hardware for the Osceola Magic, to now... Here we go. The Orlando Magic are 30 and 25 entering this sprint of a 27 game regular season finish where the Magic are currently 8th in the East, but we're only 3 games back of the 4th seed. So strap in Magic fans. Let's go. Hardaway straight down the lane, the power jam. Point guard on a 7-6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Turkaloo for the win. All right, we are recording this Monday evening, February 19th. Uh, It's the day after All-Star Weekend happened in uh, Indianapolis. So that just concluded. Uh, We'll get to that later. First, uh, you know, it's been a busy and not so busy past few weeks. You know, first we had a quiet trade deadline. And, uh, you know, that's why you have not heard from us sooner is because we had a quiet trade deadline. You know, the Magic didn't do anything. Um, probably the biggest move name that moved was Buddy Heald. Um, and he's the only guy around the league that got traded that I was really intrigued in. Um, and he's been awesome already for, for the Sixers. As the Sixers are trying to survive life without Joel Embiid. And, you know, the big thing was they got Buddy from Indy for not much. You know, it, it, like the Magic easily could have could have done done that but could have been one of those where he'll just wanted to be a sixer um penny you you set the over under at a half as far as a move or trade happening and you went under so i'm assuming you weren't surprised we didn't do anything uh thoughts on the trade deadline yeah again not totally surprised based on kind of how the year had been shaping up and i think the expectations that the front office had going into the year where uh, really, it was kind of a continuing to see what we have and go from there kind of deal. Um, and also, yeah, Buddy Heald has, has performed so far, um, you know, with the the glaring void there and, and Embiid being out. But obviously, nobody really changed hands at the deadline that um, other than that has any kind of real significance in terms of jockeying for playoff positions. So it doesn't feel like we lost a step either. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not mad or disappointed that we didn't do anything. I, I am a little irked. I'll just say like we, we do have center and point guard weaknesses. I would say that could have been addressed now, but Jeff Weltman, Anthony Parker clearly want to let the rest of the season and hopefully the postseason, hopefully the playoffs uh, play out before making uh, moves in the off season. And we're going to have to make big decisions in the off season. Cause you got, Franz's max contract extension is out on the horizon. Like I can't believe we're, we're approaching that. Uh, you got Fultz, Goga, Gary, Chuma. They're all going to be free agents. Uh, so 
in that instance, it's one of those where you either could have done something now, or you really gotta, you gotta get it right in the off season, uh, because weaknesses are there. Like from my viewpoint, like an unhappy Luka Doncic that, that Dallas Mavericks watches on. I know no one agrees with my viewpoint on that, but I'm just, that I'm just telling y'all just keep an eye on that. Cause if Dallas crashes out of the postseason early, Luca may have may just surpass his breaking point with Mark Cuban and Jason Kidd. And, you know, I know he wants to be a one team guy like Dirk, uh, but Luca is hitting 25 years old, I think in a week. And, that franchise is not on a good path. Like they, they don't have good guidance right now. And I just think that if, 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 if now, if there's a time to get Luca, it's not in two years, it's, it's going to be this off season, it, depending on how that goes. But um, yeah, any, any thoughts as far as just, just kind of, do you agree with our weaknesses at at center and point guard still? Like, I know people say shooting, but that's just a generic thing in general. Um, and are you okay with it just kind of playing out how it is? Like I am, like I still think we're going to be a 45-win team and get the 6C, which that's that'd be amazing for us. But, um, you know, we, we still got to show up and play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the weaknesses are evident, but I do kind of feel I, I side with uh, uh, Weltman and, and company, I think, and that it's important to kind of take stock of what we have and let that group finish the year so that they know what what we have too. Um, you know, I think that makes any and don't I, I wouldn't make any mistake either. Having had that trade deadline pass, I think the magic are on the clock now in terms of uh, all of those assets that have been accrued and those timelines that are coming up that you mentioned. I, I would say the next twelve months are pivotal. That's summer and next trade deadline in terms of really solidifying. Uh, who the team, who the contending team is going to be? How do we get from this stage to the next stage and the final stage of, of being a championship team? And uh, that really started in earnest as the trade deadline passed, in my opinion. Yeah, and look, you you don't want to mess with that chemistry. Like I I have to emphasize this again, and you can agree or disagree, but I think from just a chemistry locker room camaraderie type thing, like this is the greatest like magic team ever in, in regards to that as far as just these guys all like each other they're all playing for each other like they all get along uh maybe the new you know the new training center has helped with all that maybe but just I, like you have to go back to like mid 90s magic teams the hard and hustle team like i don't think any of the dwight teams had it like this i really don't and um and yeah, by all accounts, this that. might be the, the best job of team building and culture building in that everybody is so they're all at the same stage of their career. So by proxy, they're all fighting each other for a, you know, a secured place in the NBA and at the end of the day, money. Um, yeah. So to be able to keep everyone on the same page has been pretty masterful, I think. All right, let's get to some of the games that we haven't talked about. So. You know, February 8th, Spurs magic. This was hours after the trade deadline occurred. The Spurs, they'd lost in Miami the night before, second night of back-to-back. -back. Like, this had to be a magic win. And Isaac had that insane block on Wimbenyama. Uh, There's just a, a plethora of magic highlights to keep track of, honestly. And it was just a solid win over the Spurs with 50 Cent in the building. Um, <laughs> Any Spurs thoughts or just move on to the Bulls game? 
Just really quickly, I know you have League Pass. How much Wembenyama have you watched outside of, obviously, the, the games against the Magic? And would you think of his performance against some of our long boys? Uh, well, look, he, he looked worn out on this second night of a back-to-back. Like, he he looked worn out. Like, he, he's got, like, a hip thing going on, too, right now because he's got narrow hips. So, I mean, we were bumping him pretty good. Honestly, like, he struggled. Like, he... He, he didn't have a great game against us. And I mean, that's just a testament to Isaac. And like you said, our long boys really. And look, he's, he's going to be a phenom. Like he, or he is, a, I mean, he's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal player in the league. It hasn't been the great, I mean, it's been a solid enough rookie campaign that he can still easily win rookie of the year. I think he, he should get the nod over Chet Holmgren right now because Chet Holmgren is not a true rookie, but um, it's not like people were expecting more from him which is crazy. And that's not his fault. That's just hype. And, you know, the Spurs dicked around with not playing a point guard the first few months of the season. So that didn't help. But I mean, the kid's legit. Like I like him. I don't, you know, there's some magic fans talking about how they don't like Wemby. Like kids fine. Like it's any negativity towards him has been like media created. It's not really anything he's done to himself. So he's, he's going to be fine. He, he just needs to write it out. Um, I, you know, the Spurs, they have to fix, they have a lot of things to improve on. Like Wemby isn't going to be, Wemby's not doing what Shaq did for us. You know, we went from uh, a 21 win team to a 41 and 41 win team. And people thought that the Spurs might be a playoff team this season because of women. Yama, and that's clearly not happening. So, uh, what are your thoughts? It's it's interesting that twenty and ten and leading the league in blocks per game is uh, underperforming. Like the, <laughs> the the expectations and the the ceiling are pretty incredible. But um, in terms of the game, ni- nice to continue to roll uh, with the homestand. You know, checking that box leading up to the break. Do you think Women Yamas had a better rookie campaign than Paolo? Because I do not. Um, but I, I'm in, I I, I, mean, I can't pull up his shooting percentages, but. It, in many cases, they're not great. And people were talking about how Paolo's shooting wasn't the best. And I still think, I mean, Paolo had like a historic rookie season where he was basically the best rookie since LeBron. And I don't think Wembenyama's had a better season than him. I don't think Chet Holmgren's had a better season than Paolo did his rookie campaign. But um, that's maybe magic bias. But since the media, since the media literally paid more attention to Wembenyama last year and they did Paolo, like, I think we... I, I think we know a little bit more in this instance, but um, I don't know your thoughts, Benny. Yeah, I mean, certainly not any better than Paolo's season. I think depending on what you're looking for, you could argue either way, but we're Magic fans and Paolo fans and uh, I think know the context of, of the teams as well as we can for both teams. I, I would give the edge to Paolo. Um, and yeah, I think that's the other sub- disappointing thing for some people. It's probably been the Wembenyama three-point shooting percentage, where he's um, certainly less than thirty-five percent. So, um, not like he's raining fire from the outside, or or more efficient in a way that Paolo wasn't during his rookie campaign. No. All right, Pools Magic, February tenth, I believe. I know that was a Saturday. So uh, nice to see Vooch is still getting great crowd ovations. Love that. Our games against Chicago are always just grind sessions at this point. Like the Magic were up like 52-50 at halftime. The Bulls, they started raining threes, and it was kind of a struggle for us and fall behind in the third. I thought the refs were fucking us over. Uh, that's that's a common theme uh, uh, always every game. And I know people don't like me saying that, but I'm just going to point that out. Uh, 
because they were letting Chicago be physical, but they weren't letting us be physical. And I don't, uh, I don't condone that. So uh, my magic were down 86, 80 entering the fourth quarter. Mosley wisely threw Goga Bataze in the, and in, into the game in the fourth quarter, finally against Andre Drummond. And then fourth quarter Franz showed up as Franz of late's been just dropping 30 point games left and right here and there. And uh, you know, he made it rain from deep when it counted uh, in this bulls game. I wanted to see a Goga, Wendell, Isaac, Paolo, Franz lineup to close, uh, but Mosley, he kept the Cole in rather than uh, sub Wendell uh, in in the fourth. And this is just a wild game. Um, it, it, you know, we went to overtime. It was 101-101. Like I said, I think we would have closed out the Bulls had we not had Cole in the game. But, uh, you know, and then the Magic, they, they did go on a 6-0 run to open the overtime. Jonathan Isaac had DeMar DeRozan in prison in, in key stretches. And like the only chances DeMar even had to throw up a shot, let alone shoot a good shot, was if he pushed off J.I. with his elbow, which he constantly got away with. And the Magic pulled it out in overtime. Bronze had 36 points in the win. It it was one of those games where, you know, if it's a couple years ago or if it's even last year, like we, we, pro- we would probably lose this game, but we – the guys did enough to eke it out, and that's what you got to do when you're in this type of a tight playoff race now. Uh, Bulls game thoughts, Benny? Yeah, I think that was the key takeaway is the resiliency. And then also, again, um, where we had kind of chastised the team for not bringing it in Miami to close the deal against Chicago, who's nipping at your heels from behind is big from a mental and emotional standpoint. And then obviously, Franz on a roll, uh, always great to see. All right, Thunder Magic, last Tuesday. So this was the Shaquille O'Neal retirement jersey day. This was the first nationally televised regular season game of Franz and Paolo's careers. I think our last nationally televised game was ESPN in either 2020 or 2019. I can't remember, but um, this was the first Magic regular season nationally televised home game in over 10 years, uh, Hmm. apparently, and the first TNT game since 2012, if I'm – taking Adam Lefko for his word. So we'd not been on national TV on TNT in basically a dozen years, which is kind of crazy. Um, the magic entered the night as the sixth seed in the East. Uh, OKC was second in the West, you know, before the game. Again, this is all about Shaq. Shaq said that Nick Anderson should have been the first Jersey ma- Jersey retired by the magic. And he said it again on the TNT broadcast. And then again, later on in the actual ceremony, what, this has been my viewpoint the whole time. So I'm actually quite glad that Shaq said this. Um, I, I I don't know. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Like, were you surprised he even brought this up, Penny? Like, he could have easily said Dennis Scott, which we'll talk about that in a second, too. Yeah. But um, we'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into the whole thing uh, later on, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But the, the takeaway for me, and even that part of it, is Shaq handled that whole night probably the best that you could imagine. Right. From like him. Yeah. On, on the basis of what he accomplished in his career and and frankly, the small part that the Orlando years played in, in his legacy in terms of, you know, professional accomplishments. Um, he made everybody feel bigger, including Nick Anderson, that he didn't have to do. Um, we've talked about it at length. I, I feel like you certainly could put Nick's number up there, um, but there's so many other ancillary things where he's been honored that. At this point, again, it's been so long, it feels kind of weird to to retire Nick's jersey now, I think. I don't know. 
I don't think it's weird. I think you, you can easily do that next. Um, but yeah, anyway, so, uh, you know, look, Shaq did about as good as you could expect on this day. Like he still called the magic hall of fame, the ring of honor thing, quote unquote, um, which that's a little annoying. <laughs> he, uh, he definitely has also not watched much magic basketball when like the third magic player out of his mouth is Mo Wagner, but, uh, it's, that's okay. Um, Again, I I don't expect Shaq to be a magic expert. Like he he's not watching match much basketball other than what he's kind of seeing on TNT, which we have not been on TNT in a dozen years. So, uh, Kevin Harlan, Stan Van Gundy on the broadcast call was always going to be great. Like this, that alone was like I don't care what Shaq's doing. Like I I was happy to get Harlan and SVG, um, because you didn't know what Shaq was going to do as, as the third guy kind of you know, at the table. But uh, I think overall, like he did fine. He did. Okay. Like it, it could have been worse. I get it. Like he, he certainly likes Oklahoma city and Shea Gilders Alexander because he sees them a lot more than magic. So, uh, and then Dennis Scott 3d was the sideline reporter uh, n quickly nitpicky because it had been so long since the magic had not had a game on TNT. I, I did want to keep track a little bit of kind of the TNT tip off half hour stuff, as far as just coverage spent on the magic and coverage spent on OKC. And yeah, I get it. OKC is the better team record wise, but this was a magic home game. This was Shaq's night. I thought it should have been more magic heavy because they spent like the first seven minutes talking about OKC and then two minutes on the magic going to that first commercial. And that's with like Vince Carter, former magic player, Candace Parker, whose brother, Anthony Parker, is the, is the GM. Jamal Crawford, who absolutely loves Paolo Bencaro because of the Seattle connection, and Adam Lefko. And it did get better from there. Like, we had, like, the Paolo conversation before tip, which that could have maybe thrown him off his game early. I don't know. Uh, and then they had, like, the pre-recorded Paolo interview, I think, too. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, before the game, we also saw that Penny Hardaway was there, which obviously Penny Hardaway is my favorite Magic player of all time. Well, my favorite any player of all time is Penny. I I wouldn't have loved the NBA as much as I do without Penny. So it was great for uh, the old number one to be there, support of Shaq, and just be there in the building because he hasn't been there often. And obviously, it's tough for him to do it now because he's been coaching at Memphis for a while now. But um, yeah, thoughts on any of the pregame stuff? I don't know how much of it you watched or didn't watch, Manny, but the TNT coverage, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I think in terms of it being like a grand return to Orlando for televised, nationally televised basketball, it couldn't have shaped up much better in terms of who was in the building, who was on the call, and who was involved around the court. Um, so obviously they're going to, you know, I think Shea has a bigger national profile than Paolo still right now. And uh, OKC coming into the game is, is a hotter team. I think the coverage kind of skews that way. And then also the focus on Shaq too, as opposed to the, to the actual current magic team on the floor. Right. So game itself. So the magic were pumped up out of the gate. Like you can tell there was uh, a lot of energy. Now we weren't dropping shots though. So uh, we weren't making shots. So that wasn't great. Like we've, we've discussed this over the years. You could tell in a game when Paul Porter's a little extra juiced up and he was, Paul Porter was a little extra juiced up at, at the, on the PA call. So, uh, you know, the magic, they were attacking Chet Holmgren often and that chest plate was 
was uh was being tested that Chet wears, but uh you know, Suggs was one basically the only guy that was shooting well for us. It it was like a Suggs versus SGA chess match with you know from a, a defensive perspective as well cuz you had Suggs who made it rain from 3 while simultaneously shutting down SGA in that first half. You had Mo Wagner who he had a good game. He bullied Chet. Uh, Franz took a different approach in trying to dance around Holmgren and that didn't work. And he didn't, Franz didn't figure that out until too late in the game where he should have just made a beeline right at Holmgren um, instead of kind of finesse around him. The Thunder, they were up 60 to 52 at halftime, like the Jalen Williams, the the great Jalen, Jalen Williams, because they got multiple J Wills. But, uh, you know, they, Jalen Williams was carrying the load for the Thunder uh, before SGA caught fire in the third. I thought we needed Goga at center for his rebounding and size, and then Anthony Black at for his size, just to get, throw him at SGA even for a little bit because um, Suggs was clearly hurting. I thought in in the second half, and that took away from Suggs's defense and offense. Uh, so I hope Suggs is healed up a lot during this long All Star weekend break. Uh, and then they, in this game, it was just all about the threes made. That was the difference in this game. OKC made threes. We missed ours. Uh, and we had good looks, too. We just missed them. Um, and then we also missed some free throws. And then Jalen Williams went nuts in the fourth as well. And I thought Mosley could have been better in this game. Like, I thought he blew it where in not having one of Paolo or Franz kind of staggered with the bench in to start the fourth. And to, to have both on the bench to start the fourth, that that killed us because then OKC broke the game open with a 15-2 to two run. Uh, I'm just going to blame Betsy DeVos because it's appropriate to blame her for everything. She was sitting courtside. Um, I don't know, maybe it was fitting that we lost on Shaq's jersey retirement as like a sign like, hey, maybe we sh he shouldn't have been first. But uh, thoughts on the game before we talk about the ceremony itself? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a new. It was a new experience, obviously, for for everybody on the Magic roster outside of Joe Ingles in terms of being uh, involved in a nationally televised game. So, um, probably a little extra juice. Certainly, a lot of extra juice in the building to to get used to. Um, I think we can always nitpick about <laughs> Mosley coaching decisions in in games that matter now, um, but kind of just how the night went as a whole felt like an uphill climb and and like uh, not a schedule loss because it was a home game, but it, it just felt like uh, certainly on that night, OKC was the better team. All right. The Jersey retirement ceremony itself. Um, so I think there was like a 15 to 20 minute break between when the game ended and when the ceremony started just to prep everything and get everybody gathered and all that. It was an hour long ceremony and, you know, looking, you know, this is a school night too so like for folks that had like their kids there like that that was not great to, for that to be an hour long um i thought that could easily been cut down a little bit uh shack's mom and his kids were there like he had like shack had over like 50 people there it looked like based on what i saw on the tv um it was cool seeing for just seeing former teammates of shack and just staff members there that we don't see often now like you had donald royal Tree Rollins, Anthony Bowie, even like a John Koncak, who, you know, he was a, we had a year of him. It's a key tower, Laterial Green, like there, it was a pretty good list there. Um, and then kind of some of the more familiar faces in recent years, and particularly like Pat Williams, Richie Adubato, John Gabriel, who knows how much longer we're going to get to see them at stuff like this. So like, it's, um, 
there weren't a lot of guys missing. Like I think I listened to one of the magic uh, pods where Horace Grant, I think was in Australia for an NBA event. And so he couldn't make it, which poor NBA event scheduling in that regard. But I guess that's one of those where that, that was just, that preceded this hall of fame or this uh, Jersey retirement thing. But uh, Daryl Armstrong and Brian Shaw are assistant coaches. Uh, so I think they were coaching their respective nights or at least prepping for games anyway. Uh, Scott Skiles wasn't there who he's probably still mad about how his coaching stint ended. Um, Terry Catledge might be banished. Don't know. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure maybe Tom Tolbert was busy. I don't know what's going with Tom Tolbert. He was a Shaq teammate. Uh, we had no Maddie Gukas, which I'm assuming at this point, we're just never going to see Maddie Gukas at a magic event ever again at this point, which makes me sad. Uh, and then, I'll have I got this question for you, Penny. Do did do we think that Penny got the larger ovation of the night than Shaq? And like I know Shaq was getting oh you know put on the jumbotron a lot during that three hours, and it's his night and whatnot. But as far as like loudest cheer at any point, like I think Hardaway might have gotten the gotten the loudest cheer of the night, which is uh, interesting. But thoughts on any of that stuff? Yeah, it's well, it's always interesting the reception that guys get because, like, when they brought Penny back to do the Magic Hall of Fame, uh, it, it kind of depends on the night and maybe who's in the crowd in, in terms of the size of the uh reception and, and how overwhelmingly positive it was. But it was like a pleasant surprise that uh Penny showed up and, and people were caught off guard for some reason. Um, yeah, I, I think the the deep cuts are the coolest things for for people like us that have been fans for um, the entirety of the existence of the organization. Uh, Luterial Green was a bit player for a couple of seasons, but like I have fond memories of getting uh, pictures and autographs with uh, outside of the uh, Jewish community center when they were practicing there. So like stuff like that nostalgically hits home. Um, then just the passage of time where you see Tree Rollins, uh, you know, in a wheelchair and, yeah. and uh, Pat Williams using a cane and things like that, that get you that um, all, you know, the, the Shaq years and the reason that the jerseys being retired is because they, they were special years for him, for the city, for the team, for everybody involved. Um, and to kind of bring that out and showcase that when you get everybody together, it really makes it pop. Yeah, I mean, we we haven't had a lot of guys uh, pass that were around during the Shaq era. Like, Brooks Thompson is one, and uh, Bison Dele, who was Brian Williams back then, were the two I can think of. There, maybe I'm missing another one or two that, that played with Shaq in Orlando. But like I said, like they, every, the communications PR department did a really good job of bringing everybody in. And uh, what do we think of the Shaq White Jeff Hamilton jacket, which I thought was – I thought it was awesome. Like I thought it was really good. Like I don't like the one of one blue Jeff Hamilton jacket that's made the rounds all season with yeah. the former Magic guys coming in. Uh, but that Shaq white jersey was really nice. The jacket was the best of the jackets, and I say that as somebody that knows somebody that dropped a lot of coin on one of the jackets. I also uh, th I think that the Magic ones have been pretty cool, but have you seen a number of the other teams collaborating with Jeff Hamilton? And I think uh, some All Star stuff too. But I, I don't, I don't get the Jeff Hamilton across the NBA thing, but I do think the Magic products have been the coolest ones that I've seen. 
the magic ones have been the best ones. I have not seen one from other teams that he's done that have been as good as, as good as the magics, because guess what? The magic had like have those mid nineties jerseys are the best jerseys in NBA history. So it helps to, to do that based off the Shaq thing too. But um, yeah, the, well, look, JF Hamilton, he made a ton of jackets in the mid nineties. Like it goes, it goes way back there from the mid nineties through like Kobe, Shaq Laker stuff through, you know, beyond that. But like Jeff Hamilton made the, the 50th anniversary NBA jerseys when they throw through the top 50 guys, uh, in league history out there. Like those are Jeff Hamilton jackets and he's done like other sports and all that too. But, um, for this season, for the, for even the past few years, like these magic jackets that we've had have been probably the best ones. Um, that's definitely bias on my part, but yeah. So I talk about how this, the, the hour long ceremony could have been shortened. I don't need to hear Alex Martins or, or any DeVos family members speak. I'm just going to say that I don't, I don't need that. Like keep it David Steele, Brian Hill, Hardaway, all of them are great. You know, those, those guys were great. Um, you know, we did get a little repetitive on some of the stories, but that, you know, that's more for the casual fans and not like the diehards like you and I. So, but, uh, uh, the, the boss family, they gave Shaq like a $53,000 check to, to one of his charities. Uh, look, Shaq's community impact over the decades in Orlando, it, it really truly can't be quantified because Shaq just has not kept track of this stuff over the years. <laughs> like it's, I'm sure his accounting people hate that and his legal team hates that, but like there's no magic player past present that's come close to doing what Shaq has done for this community, be it individuals, be it organizations, like it, it exceeds anything the DeVos family has done cumulatively. And like the magic organization as a whole, like Shaq's given more money and resources than the magic franchise as a whole. I'm very confident in that. So, um, so that's why, you know, I, I don't have any qualms about the, him getting his Jersey retired or any of that. Like he had an awesome four years on the court, but, Almost the off the court stuff is almost as important as the four years uh, in that regard. And I thought the ceremony all went great. Like it went well until the damn banner got raised up to the rafters. <laughs> like, the, like that, just that font, man, that font kills me. And I hate being known as the font guy because I talk about this crap way too much. Like I, I'm not a font obsessed person. I just know what looks good and what doesn't look good. And, you know, once that Jersey starts coming up, and immediately I you know, you spot it. It's easy to spot. Like you have the correct mid nineties Jersey font and everything for yeah. Shaq all over the place. And then when the rafter goes up, you have this CJ Watson looking Jersey that gets lifted up into the rafters. And it just, it, it just kneecapped like the whole thing in my mind. And, you know, I have, another, I have another nitpick where beyond just the font, like, we don't need the 92 to 96 years listed on there. Like, I don't need that. I don't need the years listed on that. Um, they redid and they got a brand new uh, number six jersey for the fans. It no longer says yeah. the fans. It now reads yeah. six man on the back. So terrible. the six man show gets a gets a free win on that, I guess. Um, Good for them, but terrible. Yeah, I like <laughs> that's the whole point of the number six is, you know, the, the six man, you yeah. know, it's like. They could have left it as the fans. Uh, I, I didn't mind them upgrading the jersey itself. Like, that could have been that font. That's fine. I have no issues with that part. But the damn 
uh, the, the damn font on the Shaq jersey just kills it. And I really hope that that the PR and communication folks are are going to fix this, or the, just whoever has the budget to fix this fixes this because. We can't have that up there. Like that's gonna piss me off forever if I have to see that jersey up there like that. Um, Here, here's my take. Yeah. Uh, well, here I have a question for you also. Sure. Yeah. Uh, now that we have an actual retired jersey, do you care about having the the fans number six, which technically is not a retired jersey, in that if somebody wants to wear six, they can wear it. Yeah, we gave it to do Patrick Ewing. Yeah. That one up there. Um, I'm fine with leaving it up there. It doesn't even have to be officially retired. It really doesn't. I'm fine right. leaving it up there. Are you all right with that? I, I'm okay with it being up there. I mean, I mean, you know, I guess in the in the same way that uh, theoretically a Seahawks player could wear twelve or whatever. Like it was a sentimental thing. Here, here, here's my take. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. First of all, the if you want to put the tenure of the guy on the jersey on the rafter in the in the banner, that's fine. But why does that have to be a hideous block font that's way bigger than it needs to be? Also, yeah. like fonts across the board are terrible. Um, fans should not let this go. This this is awful. Uh, obviously, the the Jason Bead guy got the official response which is that they're trying to make the banners uniform into the future so that everybody looks the same that's not the point of retiring the jersey no. the point is to encapsulate the the time uh in the era that the contributions were made yeah so that that legacy lasts forever um it looks hideous the fans should not let this go this should be a daily drumbeat. Uh, there should be petitions. There should be signs. There should be everything until it gets rectified. Uh, I don't think I'm blowing that out of proportion. That's that's what it should be. And I have uh, I have one more bone to pick with Alex Martins, which you'll remember. I think mm -hmm. during the Rob Hennigan tenure, uh, was fortunate to go to one of those season ticket holder luncheon things um, around the same time that they had. You remember the original 94-95 Eastern Conference Championship banner on yeah. the perimeter of the banner had everybody's names on there. Yes. After they raised the uh, 2009 Eastern Conference Championship banner, they took the 94-95 banner down, put a new one up that did not have names around the edge so that it matched the 2009 banner at that luncheon, asked Alex Martins why they took the banner down and took the names off. He blew off the question. So uh, clearly they only care about uniformity instead of what looks right. Uh, I don't have a take either way on names around the banner. Sure, it's a little cluttered. But like, again, if you're trying to encapsulate the time and era, there's no reason to update the logo, the font, or create a jersey that doesn't even exist and looks hideous yeah. and have that be the standard for what's going to be uh, in perpetuity hanging in the rafters of the Kia Center. It's terrible. And it, frankly, everything that you said was great about the whole night pretty much ruined the whole night and that that's the, the, the legacy that's hanging there now. Yeah, they need to... They, they need to re just rectify that and fix that. And there's plenty of proof around the league and other sports that banners don't have to be uniform and they, they can be very unique in itself. And it looks fine if you do it like that. Um, yeah. I mean, look, Shaq's speech I thought was okay. Uh, 
Oh yeah. I mean, I had the other point. Yeah. Like, honestly, like I need, like the fans need to lean into this, like go talk to your season ticket holder rep. Like if you go to any of these events, like you got to fucking bring this up at every event and say, change the fucking banner, fix the font. And say it exactly like that. Well, yeah. I mean, they may not invite you back to another event ever again, but um, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's one of those where, it, like it, it really ruined the the night. Like it really did. Like, but it it was such a good ceremony that I forgot we lost to the Thunder, and then the fucking banner went up, and I was just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is just hideous. Uh, I'm with you with the names being around the Eastern Conference champion banner. Like that that should be a thing still too. Uh, I I don't want to hear a play the song chant being being done in in the arena. Like it doesn't sound right. But you know what does sound right? Change the font. Do a change the font chant because after after every game, we don't even have to win. It can be in a loss. That's, change that's the font. The we're pissed. So um, that's what I want from fans. I just want to change the font chant. Like if you bring like, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with that. And then lastly, like I said, I thought Shaq's speech was okay. No, we're not retiring 3D or Grand Hill. Sorry, that's off the table. Uh, Nick, Penny, Tracy, yes. He didn't mention Dwight in that speech, but apparently he did talk about Dwight earlier during the day, apparently. But um, I am up for retiring Nick, Penny, and Tracy together as number ones, uh, and Dwight. That's that's the list right now until uh, Paolo and Franz uh, do good enough and win us titles, and uh, we can we can continue that discussion. But that's where I'm at. Is I want five guy five five players up there retired. I want that 32 O'Neal to be fixed. I want Nick's 25. I want Penny and Tracy's number ones. And I want Dwight's number 12 out up there. Uh, final thoughts before we get to uh, Nick's magic, Penny. I think that's a fair list. And again, if we're going to retire both T-Mac and Penny, as we should, why would you have two of the same bullshit fake jersey banners up there instead of their respective jersey? It doesn't even make sense. So it's got to be fixed. Nick's magic. Uh, second night of home back to back. This was the last game before the break uh, last Wednesday. And look, a magic win meant we would have won the season series against the Knicks, which uh, we have lost the season series to Miami and Philly, but we've won the season series against the Pacers and now the Knicks because of this game. Uh, We had no Markel or Gary available. Suggs was a late scratch out with a sore right groin. Again, I hope Suggs is resting very well. The Magic started Anthony Black and Caleb Houston in the backcourt. The Knicks, they had no Randall, Ananobi, uh, Mitchell Robinson, no Hardenstein, no uh, DiVincenzo, and Boyan Bogdanovich were all out. And you're not going to get any sympathy from me, Knicks fans, because this is what we've been dealing with for about three years. So fuck off. Um, fatigue or not, this this had to be a Magic win. And you know, we also had J.J. Redick in the building who was being honored. Uh, that was cool, just the... He, you know, him and Dante Marcatelli kind of, kind of throwing stuff at each other during uh, one of the interviews during the action. So that was fun. Um, it's just great to see Reddick back. Like he got to bring his family and kids in there, who had probably not been in that building before. So, uh, and then before Tip Paolo was officially recognized with his own uh, All Star jersey. Early on, we had to worry about Jalen Brunson because he had a 20-point first quarter. I don't like hearing Brunson MVP chance in our building, but that's Knicks fans for you because we have a lot of uh, New Yorkers that live down here. Uh, we did get some Trevlin Queen minutes as Mosley, I think, rightfully 
does not trust Jed Howard with meaningful minutes. Um, I know I'm in the minority with that, but uh, I, I kind of need magic fans in the community to trust me that if Jed Howard was good enough to be on that floor, he'd be on that floor at this point. And uh, we don't get to watch practices. And even in like the, the current, the garbage time minutes that I've seen Jet Howard in, they haven't been great. So uh, any thoughts on any of that stuff before I continue with this Knicks game, Penny? Uh, no, let's keep it going. I, yeah, I uh, agreed on Jet Howard. Uh, there's nothing there that I, I don't understand the fascination to this point. Uh, and then we had a 17-0 magic run early in the second quarter with uh, Brunson out and just our Joe, Mo, Isaac lineup doing work. They, they were just massive. Uh, and then late in that half, Isaac uh, was put in again to guard uh, Jalen Brunson, which that was a huge difference. Um, Paolo matched Brunson's 22 points in the half, which was you know which gave us a 65-55 lead at the break. Just an awesome second period answer from us. Uh, if Isaac was really on a 14 to 16 minute restriction. He'd already played 11 minutes. So, uh, you know, hopefully we, we weren't going to have to rely on him too much late in the game and uh, really didn't. Um, I thought Wendell was bad on the glass again. I thought we really should have had Goga start the third, but that didn't happen. Just rebounding was a problem for us, uh, but we did cut down on turnovers and then we carved up the Knicks in the paint. Uh, Franz, he found J.I. for just some great buckets at the rim, and we were up 20 with 8.30 to go in the fourth. And, uh, yeah, we didn't need J.I. anymore after that. But uh, And then Goga did come in in the fourth for, uh, a, a, I thought, an injured Wendell, but maybe it was just a lineup decision for, uh, for, uh, for that instance. Plus, we were up big, so maybe, maybe it was kind of like a rest thing in that regard with Wendell. But Paolo had 36 points with no free throw attempts. And then Franz had another 20 plus points in the game. Tibbs threw in the towel early with Brunson getting him out of there. And uh, Paolo got to tell the Knicks fans to go home, which was great. Uh, Knicks game thoughts, Benny. Yeah, I thought this was a really nice uh, just handle your business win, uh, you know, last game before the break. And the the interesting takeaway for me was uh, I rewatched this game because you know, Mike Breeden is on the call for MSG Network with Wally Zerbiak, and obviously any game that Mike Breeden does is a good listen. Yeah. At the end of the game, when the Paolo uh, go home thing was happening, uh, Wally Zerbiak, very salty, was like, oh, the the OKC fans were telling Paolo uh, the, the same thing last night, which I thought was uh, weird. But uh, anyway, uh, very. I thought it was a, a very mature uh, performance by the Magic uh, and exactly what we needed going into the break. Yeah, look, the Knicks thing, Knicks fans thing, they've always been in Orlando for decades. Like, we just get a lot of transplants from New York down here. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's nice to, to send them home uh, with a loss. So uh, yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, it was just a great way to to go into the break because you know it's very easy to just focus on the break and not focus on the task at hand but they they figured it out in the second half and that's all that mattered so uh all right all-star weekend so all right penny be honest how much all-star weekend did you see because i don't blame you if you watch none of it like i i really don't care like how much did you see more more than i should have <laughs> okay well, I'm definitely in that boat as well, but I, I saw a good chunk of it. So Friday night, we had the Rising Stars uh, tournament, I guess we'll call it, because, uh, you know, I reckon, you know, from a celebrity game perspective, I just don't watch the celebrity game because I recognize way too few folks 
too few folks in the celebrity game now. Uh, and I don't think that's an age thing. That's just, I'm not, I, I don't follow a lot of these like YouTube Twitch type folks uh, that they throw in here, but all right. So Paolo and Mac McClung were both in the rising stars game. Uh, Paolo was playing for team uh, Tamika catchings, which they looked focused out of the gate both on both sides. They were playing some pretty good defense against Chet and, uh, and Jalen Williams early. And, uh, you know, we had a 9-0 start after, a, like, a Palo open court dunk. And then Team Jalen Rose woke up. Uh, ben Matherin then just wrecked Jaden Ivey. Just, like, that That was some brutal shit talking there. Um, and then despite Palo talking Ben Matherin into missing two free throws and winning 25K off of him, which I hope Palo did collect that 25K, uh, Matherin just abused Team Tamika's guards, and Palo's team lost. So, you know, for, for those that didn't want Paolo to exert himself too much, you know, he only played one game instead of two. So he, he saved a little bit of legs for Saturday and Sunday, I guess. But uh, thoughts on that game before we get into Mac McClung? Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to see your player succeed and do well. I thought Paolo performed well. It would have been nice to see his team uh, advance and, and win the night. But uh all things considered, you check the box there and get him from Friday to Saturday unscathed is always a good thing, too. All right. So Mac McClung ended up having the better night, really, because he was lighting it up against uh, Victor Wimbanyama's team. That, uh, you know, Mac had at one point just this beautiful, just this beauty of like a fake pass Euro baseline reverse layup that that was nice. Um and then Mac's G League team Detlef Shrimp, they upset Team Powell and Wemby. I mean, that was that was a Pretty cool thing uh, in that regard. And McClung was probably MVP of that game, honestly. Fatigue played a big factor in the title game. Uh, Max team lost, lost, and uh, but he had overall, I thought, still a solid showing. Um, that guy finds a way to win every 50-50 ball at, at just being six foot. I know he's listed at six foot two, but he, let's be honest, he's he's six two. Like I'm six one, and if you put me in basketball shoes, I'm taller than him. So um yeah, any Mac McClung game thoughts, or should we just go to Saturday? The the Detlef Shrimp thoughts are more prudent. Did you see the uh, George Carl, uh, Carmelo Anthony Twitter beef recently? I did. I did. I don't know if you want to talk <laughs> over that. Always nice when when Detlef makes an appearance outside of uh, Parks and Rec. But yeah, Mark, uh, Mac, uh, obviously, uh, setting the stage for a great Saturday performance with his work on Friday night. So Saturday we had the skills competition. Uh, it was uh, team number one picks. Yeah, oof is right, right? Uh, team number one picks, Paolo, Wemby, and a very unconcerned Anthony Edwards uh, were a trio. I didn't like Paolo in the in the gross Cowboys city jersey, but I understand his other teammates were wearing their own city jerseys, but I, I still don't like seeing that jersey. Uh, Edwards shooting left-handed didn't help uh, in, in this. Uh, I thought Paolo did the assist portion well, but Edwards was dragging everything down. Uh, and then they stood no chance in the shooting part. Like it, like I, the team skills competition just sucks at this point. Like we had that one fun instance with the Dedekumbo brothers. Cause they were trying, you know, I think a, a, a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year. I can't remember now, but the, the individual, the individual version of this is better and used to be better. And they just need to go back to the individual version of this. Um, and then, yeah, I thought the three-point shootout comp. Well, let's talk about the Palo thing. Like, 
the shooting, like I, he's not going to get invited to one of these maybe ever again at this point. Cause I thought, cause Paolo one made a pretty brutal mistake when Tyrese Maxey made the exact same mistake right before him. And then just, I, it, it, this isn't his type of competition. I feel like, especially when he's not really trying, even though he said he would try like that kind of went out the window once Edwards kind of sandbagged them. Um, any thoughts on this stuff? Yeah, I thought you were going to gloss over the the course correction thing, which uh, there's a <laughs> clip of him doing the same thing in the practice round, too, which is kind of damning evidence. Oh, I didn't even um, see that part. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, but uh, it, two takeaways from the skills competition, both non-Paolo. The first is that uh, there are no skills really anymore. Like the original version actually had a bounce pass that you it was a challenge. Like it was actual stuff instead of just loafing for a couple of layups, you know, back and forth primarily. Um, but you're you're setting up for embarrassment. Um, I lied. Two and a half thoughts. One, uh, the the second remaining thought: we got to figure out a way to put an actual skills contest together and charge people an entrance fee for a cash prize. Like that'd be a cool thing. And then yeah. the final thing. At least Paolo's not Scotty Barnes, who has just a terrible track record on Saturday night uh, with the what was the two ball thing, the shooting thing a couple of years yeah, ago. He made up for the shooting uh, this time. He shot it yeah. well this time, but everything else, like, the yeah, he's bouncing the ball off his foot. Can, yeah. He, he can't <laughs> run correctly. Like, that's a weird thing. I don't know if just he, he needs more strength in his hips. I don't know what's going on there or his calves, but um, yeah, yeah, that was uh not great. So uh, three-point contest I thought was solid, minus the lighting and then the LED floor, which I did not like how that was utilized. And then the Starry sponsor crap and just Starry, the soda is probably crap. Um, no one's <laughs> going to buy that no matter how much money they put into that. Um, and that Sabrina versus Steph I thought was good. They should do it again at the WNBA All-Star Weekend uh, as like a rematch. Um any thoughts on those before we get into the dunk contest? I, I mean, frankly, and I hate to sound like everybody else on Twitter, but the the three-point contest kind of turns into the highlight of the night the last few years, uh, more often than not. Uh, I thought that the, you know, the, the Sabrina and Steph thing had high potential to be a disaster because you're bringing them out for one round in the same way that Draymond Green was supposed to obliterate Kevin Hart and ended up tying. Well, <laughs> actually, I think ago. he lost, but yeah. they still said Draymond won because that was, I guess, part of the script. But, but Kevin Hart beat him in that shit. But but the three-point contest, I agree, solid was a was a good word. The, the, the streaks are always exciting. And then to have both, you know, Sabrina do as well as any of the guys in the contest did, and then to have Steph beat everybody, I think puts a cap on that event and the charity component of it uh, in the best way possible. So I thought that was the highlight of the night for me. Yeah. Uh, and then Kenny Smith and Reggie Miller both suck. They're awful. Um, I'll, I'll say that forever as far as just a, a lot of commenting relating stuff. Uh, Kenny Smith really embarrassed himself during the Sabrina versus Steph contest. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll leave it at that because other people have had more uh, poignant points and I've already discussed that thoroughly, so I don't need to. I don't need to carry on with that. Um, dunk contest. Uh, we had some bizarre dunk contest judging, but that's, Mac that's, McClung. That's putting it lightly. Mac McClung definitely deserved to win it. That, that's yeah. all that mattered at the end. He's a two-time winner. 
Last year, he won it as a Sixer. This year, he won it as an Osceola Magic. He's the second Magic player to ever win a dunk contest, uh, joining Dwight Howard. And uh, it was pretty clear that the judges wanted to hand this contest so badly to Jalen Brown. But Jalen Brown wasn't good in this dunk contest, so it was basically impossible. And the crowd started resisting, especially once they showed the Boston Celtics floor graphic in Indianapolis, which... Uh, don't ever do that again with an LED floor. Uh, it, yeah. that that's asking for trouble. Um, I thought Jacob Toppin got screwed. He should have been in the final with McClung. Uh, and then look again. Mac McClung is a six foot guy getting his head above the rim on these dunks, and he capped it all off dunking over Shaq without pushing off a of Shaq, which is insane. Um, and then it was fun seeing just Giannis Adetokounmpo. He saw the league fix was in for Jalen Brown. And so he's helping get Shaq's jacket off to help out Mac on the last dunk. And Yanni know what's up, knows what's up. Cause he, he he's been uh, a pretty big Aaron Gordon dunk contest defender too, as far as when AG got screwed over uh, in the past. Uh, yeah. And look, McClung became the fifth player ever to win the slam dunk contest in back-to-back -back years. And you know, it, it's it's just a really good showing for him. Like he had some cool moments with Dr. J. That's fucking badass and awesome. And he's a good player, man. The guy can play. Like the only thing that just sucks for him is he's six foot. Like the size is literally the only reason why he's not on a fifteen man roster right now. Um, and I don't, you know, it, it's he he's a good player, man, and he's an amazing dunker. I if I was him, like he's gonna probably come back for the three peat even if he's playing in like Europe or something next year. Uh, but they should bring him back for the, as a defending champ again and see if he can somehow top himself. I thought he was better last year than this, this year, but this year just the competition wasn't great enough. Maybe if Jacob Toppin made it to the final, maybe it would have gotten really interesting. But, um, you know, McClung deserved to win it, and that's all that matters. And, you know, it's cool to see uh, a Magic uh, player win a trophy. Um, thoughts on McClung, Penny? Yeah, just, uh, again, incredible athlete. Uh, no question he was the deserving winner. I agree. I think uh, last year on the whole, the performance was a little bit better. But the the dunk of the night was the first dunk where where, where he got totally screwed uh, on the judging. Yeah, yeah, boned on the score. Uh, my favorite thing is that they're they're acknowledging that the judging is terrible and then they go, they're booing because they're not giving Jalen Brown a higher score for every Like, no, they're booing because he's getting... First of all, what do you think of the of the new judge? I, I can't remember. I think this is the first year that they changed the judging criteria to where it's 40 to 50 instead of 6, 7, 8, 9, or 10, or 7, 8, 9, or 10 individually. Did you like that tweak? No. Uh, the, what, the 40 is way too fucking high for a minimum score, right? Like... I think in the past, the combined lowest score you could get was like a 36, I think. Well, and before it was way lower than that. But um, yeah, they put all this money into the the judges uh, table, the judges desk, and they just had shit judges out there. <laughs> like fucking Dr. Dunk Darnell Hillman is giving out 46s uh, when Dunk should have been a 50 or whatever or from McClung. Um, yeah. Like there's there's some just some awful judging like. 
there's always bad there's always bad judging there's always uh uh you know judging that doesn't quite make sense that was egregious yes. worst dumb contest judging that we've seen yeah and look man we haven't had a great great dunk contest since uh 2016 when it was aaron gordon and, and zach levine and uh you know we'll talk about it more in a bit here but i mean they they got to fix this this whole all-star weekend honestly like it, it needs to really be looked at um are you a fan of the LED floor? Because I was not how, the way it was utilized. Like they could have, they should have just used it for the pre-competition graphics for each event, but not during yeah. the event. It should have been normal lighting that makes it look like you're in fucking Indianapolis, and it should have been just a normal floor on the ground. I thought the lighting and it took away from everything. See, and you didn't watch any of the uh, uh, cele ruffle celebrity game where they did a lot of extra stupid shit on the floor, like. We, we have eyes. We don't need the person with the ball to be tracked under their feet, too. Um, I think there's cool stuff that they can get to. Obviously, it's an expensive investment, and they want to utilize it to the fullest. But um, I, I don't know, man. And you know better than me about how that's being used overseas. But uh, a lot of the players obviously didn't like the, you know, uh, grip on the floor and everything else. Yeah. It, it seems like an uphill battle there and kind of needless when you have all the other technology and ar and vr stuff i don't know that we need a screen on the floor no i don't think so all right sunday uh i didn't watch it but magic two-way contract player trevlin queen was named the mvp of the g league next up game after leading team earn your leisure that's a team name um to a victory in the tournament's championship game over team ball is life which that team included <laughs> i believe fellow magic two-way guy Kevon harris but i didn't watch it i don't know if you you know it, it's cool that Queen won MVP. It's cool that Osceola's got two trophies coming back home. Like, that's pretty sick. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did you watch it? If not, I can move on. I, I did not, but it is like Queen has really cemented himself as what the best of the fringe guys over the last year or two, which is a, an accomplishment for him. And hopefully uh, he'll find his way onto a roster full time soon. I'd like to keep him full time next season, depending on how the rosters laid out and all that but i could see him and kivon both being rostered guys next season but uh all right so later on sunday Palo debuted a new p5 logo which i thought looked good like it's and it, it looked it would look better in in more magic colors but you know they the way they do the p5 it looks like the p5 but then it looks like pb which is Palo ben Caro's initials um and then Paolo Bencaro became the fifth player in NBA All-Star Week in history to participate in the Rising Stars game Friday, at least one of the Saturday night events, and then Sunday's All-Star game, all, all in the same year, the same uh, weekend. So, um, yeah, as far as the All-Star game itself, you know, Paolo, when he did check in, he he played some point center. Uh, Paolo was very unselfish, but unfortunately, that was not uh, reciprocated back towards him. In fact, Paolo was the only player getting double teamed multiple times during this game. So I don't know if that was some weird rookie hazing or whatever, but that was uh, that was interesting. Uh, and in his all-star debut, Paolo finished with six points, a game high, nine rebounds, five assists, which I think was the third most assists in the game. I could be wrong. In 19 minutes on the floor. Uh, thoughts on Paolo before we talk about the rest of that all-star game, or I guess. If, yeah, if I thought he availed himself perfectly well i thought all of the shoe choices uh throughout the weekend were great 
Um, and and beyond that, again, no injury, which is which is the best thing. But the the game itself, good God! If I'll be, he might get his own sneaker in the off season, depending on how the rest of the season and the playoffs go. Like Paolo might get his own shoe. Like it's it's all setting up like that. Um, yeah, look, Larry Bird in the legends lunch or breakfast, either one, he was pleading for a competitive game. And instead the East gets up to like 200 over 200 points. First time anyone ever got over 200 points in a game. I'm watching an 85 year old Oscar Robertson sitting courtside with just this glance. And I'm just thinking like, what is going through this guy's head seems such a lack of competitiveness for this game. And they didn't even give the correct player MVP. Like Lillard got it. It should have been Halliburton, man. Halliburton got robbed in his own city. He was yeah. way more efficient. He got he had the most exciting moments overall. Although the crowd, I can't believe the crowd didn't react when he did the elbow pass. Like, how do you miss that? Um, I thought the indie crowd sucked, but I, I think that's on the NBA in a way as well. Um, yeah, look, uh, other than in 2020 when Kobe died, like we haven't had a competitive and fun all-star game in probably over a decade, maybe 2007, 2008. I'm probably missing one or two, but overall from an all-star game perspective, like it's been bad for a while. Basically once like Shaq retired or was like at the end of show of appearing in all-star weekends, like it's been bad. Like I, the 2012 all-star game in Orlando was bad. This has been a problem for like 15 years, basically in essence. And you know, people are going to say, oh, we we don't want these guys getting hurt. That's what the fucking money is for, man. That's what you get paid tens of millions of dollars to do is entertain. None of that happens if you're not pleasing, entertaining the fans. Like, we we know you want to win championships. We all want all our teams and players to win championships. But at the end of the game day, you're playing a game as a living. And very, very, very few people on this planet Earth get to do that. And... It's not like like there's a prize pool too if they win. I think the winning players got like a hundred k at each. I think had they won this game, I think I could be wrong, but um, you know you're you're there to entertain. And this NBA All Star Weekend's broken to me. Like if I'm looking at the other sports, you look at Major League Baseball. They have the home run derby and a normal baseball game. That seems fine. MLS typically plays against a good international club, and they have like a skills weekend that's pretty good. NHL is a fun skills competition enough to outweigh the game itself because hockey's a full contact sport. Like I don't want these guys like getting concussed like crazy. So um NHL's okay. NFL, full contact sport, obviously. Moving the, that the Pro Bowl game to flag football. I've seen highlights of it. It's it's fine. It seems fairly fun, but you know, the big thing with them is they have the actual Super Bowl the next week. So it doesn't matter if the Pro Bowl is any good or not. Um the NBA, they just basically have Christmas and then this All-Star Weekend for your casual viewer to see before you get to the postseason. And I think this is a problem. And Adam Silver was noticeably pissed. Like, he he was not happy how that all played out. And I think we're going to see a big overhaul with this weekend. But thoughts on any of that All-Star game, All-Star Weekend, just any of the stuff I went over, Benny? Yeah, I, I don't know what the fix is. Um and we'll see what the rate, I don't know if the ratings have come out already, but obviously they were egregious the last couple of years and have been trending that way. Um, it's not watchable. What, what was watchable 10 years ago was 
dick around for three quarters and then you get 12 minutes of serious basketball yeah which is a fair compromise yeah I think. um the other the other thing that's like I, I don't even know how you fix it otherwise you have the best players play a, a, a fuck around game and then coach other players that are near all-stars in a competitive game like that nobody wants to see that so they they either need to agree to play seriously for a shortened period of time or not. And don't quote me on this, but I I can't recall an all-star game injury ever occurring, not to say that it wouldn't. I do know, I think, Lisa Leslie tore her ACL in a WNBA all-star game. But outside yeah. of that, have you have you ever I, I, I mean, can't recall an not since the Legends game when they used to have a Legends game like that. Right, which yeah, which is a which is a bad which is a bad idea, <laughs> uh, and they and they've rightly ended that practice. But in terms of the actual like current professional athletes going, um, you know, you you that's the risk and reward. Obviously, the individual teams and players don't want that to happen. Nobody wants it to happen. But otherwise, let's play a video game instead. Um, yeah, look for the weekend itself. I think they should bring shooting stars back. I miss the shooting stars. I, I think that was fine. Um, they need to, the skills competition needs to be individualized again and make it like it used to be difficulty wise, where most likely the best players are guards. Like I, you know, if bigs want to give it a go, they can give it a go too. But, um, I think the rising stars overall, the rising stars format's not bad. And it helps that you have a G league team that's trying really hard. So you have like the other guys trying not to get embarrassed as well. So, um, I think that one's fine. Three point shootout might have to be the, the last competition, the last event of Saturday night until enough guys just start playing or start participating in the dunk contest again, because like, you know, back when like Vince Carter won in 2000, like we had like eight competitors, I think. Um, and we haven't, I think it was Sam Vecini of the athletic that said it, but Nate Robinson ruined the dunk contest once he won like three straight or three dunk contests. Um, because Dwight Howard got screwed in one of them. Dwight should be a, a two time dunk contest winner, but, um, and then Aaron Gordon got screwed twice and that, like we've seen younger stars like Donovan Mitchell and John Morant say like, I have, I want no part of the dunk contest because Aaron Gordon got screwed. You know, it's I, I mean, like, we've seen this before. So, um, but I think for the dunk contest, you need to find a way to get back to six NBA guys. If they're embarrassed to go up against a G leaguer or a non NBA guy, then they need to all be NBA guys. Then um, I don't know how you assure that, but uh, there's a way like, even the way it's shown and produced and you just need to get to the point where you got like more, you need more players, current and former players in there hype to see events again, kind of like it used to be 20 years ago where it was like, like you, you were more, you were just as excited to see player reactions in the crowd than as you were like these great dunks. And people say every dunk's been done. Not necessarily like, and, and even if they have like, that's okay. If you whip out a dunk, you know, dunks that have been done before, like it's fine. Um, it's just, I don't like camera wise how how this event gets shot. Um, they they picked some weird angles, and I mean they missed an entire Jalen Brown dunk to begin with too. I think anyway, so um, so somebody lost their job Saturday night. But yeah, that's any any thought. Like I don't think paying guys more money is gonna fix this. I this that's not a thing. It's just 
these guys need to fucking play and participate because yeah but you can't i don't know how you police effort either because if they're gonna loaf through you know like there's a ton of stuff they could do saturday night that would be cool um and there's two things one is the effort for what they're doing the other is embarrassment so you avoid embarrassment by taking out like horse and things like that where it's you know really one-on-one -on -one type stuff but uh i don't know maybe for the dunk contest maybe you go back down to go down to three dunks so they don't have to come out with you know as much filler um I'm, yeah maybe. i'm not sure what the answer is but it, it has to improve because as somebody who loves basketball and also loves being amazed by talent and athletic ability you're just not getting that consistently over the weekend in in what's supposed to be one of the crown jewel events for the for the league I will say, obviously, they're, you know, the the TV product isn't great, but they are using the weekend to do a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one and in-person stuff that probably they're they're making a ton of money on too with the different you know key sponsors. All right, enough of the all-star stuff. Uh, on to real basketball stuff here to finish out. So the second half sprint begins now for the Magic. Uh, I believe it's 15 of our last 27 games of this season are at home. 16 of those 27 games are against teams under 500. Pretty good. I think we, if you care about strength of schedule, I think we still have the weakest strength of schedule to finish the season. So got to take advantage of that. Um, can we go three and two to close February before a very home heavy March? You know, that's, that's the question. Like we're at Cleveland Thursday. Then we're at Detroit Saturday at Atlanta. Second night of a back-to-back -back Sunday. That one's tricky. Then you have home to Brooklyn, who just fired Jacques Vaughn and replaced him with yeah. another former Magic guard, it looks like, in Kevin Ollie. So that's interesting. And then you're home with against the Utah Jazz, who have always been tricky for us, to end February. Like, I think three and two is doable, Penny. What do you think? I, I think three and two is a, is a good target. Um, you mentioned the strength of schedule. I know your thoughts on that. How worried are you about all of the Hornets games? Uh, in that they seem to have kind of caught a little whatever lightning can exist for a team in the doldrums like them. I mean, I'm concerned about Detroit and Charlotte. I am because, like, if we don't take them seriously, I mean, the last time we were up in Detroit, we we got off to a bad start, and thankfully they were playing awful enough that we still beat the Pistons. But like, Charlotte's been pretty good since this this trade deadline, and um, you know, Steve Clifford wants revenge always, you know, so I. There's no gimmies with this. I don't care. I, I yeah, I don't I don't care in that regard, uh, you know, strength of schedule because there's no gimmies. If you don't take a team seriously, then you're gonna lose. That's what's gonna happen. Um, but on paper, three and two to finish the month of February is doable. Fifteen and twelve. Finishing fifteen and twelve these last twenty seven games is very fair and very plausible. You know, we can easily surpass that, but fifteen and twelve would hit my 45-win prediction. I think that's good enough to win the division. I think that's good enough for the sixth seed. That sounds reasonable to me. Um, you know, Thursday, every night's going to be crazy with the standings, looking at it, because Thursday we start a road trip in Cleveland. The Knicks are in Philly that night. The Pacers host the Pistons, so you'd expect Indy to win that game. But, you know, if Knicks beat the Sixers, you know, that gets interesting because, uh, look, we're three games back of Philly. Uh, or sorry, we're two and a half games back of Philly in fifth, and we're three games back of the Knicks, who are in fourth. We're tied with the Heat for seventh, and we're a half game back of the Pacers for sixth. 
And we're four games in front of Chicago. That's ninth and six games in front of Atlanta in the standings that who are 10th. So like every night's going to be a standings watch type of thing almost, which thankfully the the league screwed up and gave everybody free league pass that took advantage of it for a year. So, um, so I'll be using that again. Um, and you know, again, I, I talked about Thursday, Friday, we don't play, but Miami's in new Orleans and Cleveland's in Philly. We're both on a back to, you know, the second night of a back to back. So again, every night could see significant standings change. Uh, I don't know, Penny, what are your thoughts, expectations here uh, to finish the month? I mean, 15 and 12 is pretty reasonable, reasonable considering what we got ahead of us, right? I mean, 15 out of the next 27 games is is roughly decimal-wise the same as 30 out of the first 55. So you're not, you're not expecting anything other than what we've already done, except with a little bit of a presumably softer schedule. Again, you're right. It's a sprint to the finish line. There's a lot of bunching in the middle here. Um, the the team in 11th place fired their coach. So I, I think we're assured the play in. So you start looking, okay, what's, what's the expectation? What's the, what are we shooting for? I think six is still um, probably what you're shooting for and you're a half game out with 27 to go. So uh, could we do better than six? Yeah. If we get hot, could we do worse than six? I think seven or eight is, is good. Uh, and acceptable and then I think nine and ten would be sputtering to the finish line and then you start questioning some things so um, I think the Pacers are the target really Um, and obviously depends on what Philly does if they drop off too but you're you are ahead of Miami this year with the 45 win target and and the overall east seating I think Uh, I think we're we're lining up pretty perfectly with what you projected at the beginning so hopefully it comes to pass all right, man. Let's get it. Yeah, if we if we beat Cleveland Thursday, it's on, man. Like you, like that. That beating Cleveland in Cleveland on Thursday, they've been the hottest team in the league. If you beat them that first game back from All Star Weekend, that that would be huge to get the ball rolling. So, um, that's gonna do it for this episode. If you're still listening, we thank you very much for your time. We are the longest running Magic podcast show in existence, so any added support is much appreciated. Subscribing, rating the show highly, positive comments, they all help this podcast ranking immensely. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. No C's, just S's. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. With that, take care. Let's go Magic.